0: Well, welcome, Uh, welcome to those of you here in this space and those of you joining us on our campuses and a special welcome to those of you joining us online. Uh, I have the privilege uh, on a pretty regular basis of hosting our online audience, so thanks so much for tuning in week after week after week. Uh, Well, if we haven't met, uh, my name is Brad and I'm one of the pastors for our young adult ministry. If you're a young adult here or you know a young adult, uh, check us out online. Uh, You can find us at Ada Union on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, and uh, you'll see just a list of events that are coming up as we sort of wrap up the tail end of our summer. And then uh, beginning on September 13th, 7 p.m. at the warehouse on the East Paris campus, uh, we'll begin our normal Tuesday nights every Tuesday night uh, throughout the year. If you're, if you're a young adult and you're wondering, what do young adults here at Ada, what do they do? Uh, well, this is it. Uh, this, is, this is for you. I'd love to see you. love to see you there. Well, as we begin our study for today, uh, I wanna begin with a movie poster. Uh, the year was 1999, and the movie that came out was this, Toy Story 2. Uh, this is one of those movies, it's like an instant classic. It doesn't matter if you're five or 85 years old, the odds are you've probably seen this movie. Uh, but just to, just to refresh your memory, uh, the movie begins and Woody, Cowboy Woody, he has lost his cowboy hat. And this is a pretty big deal because uh, he's about to leave for cowboy camp. If he doesn't have his hat, he doesn't know what he's gonna gonna do. And so his world begins to spiral a little bit and turn upside down as he's searching everywhere for his hat. Uh, He recruits all the other toys to come and help him find his hat, but they, they just keep coming up empty. They can't find it. Anywhere, and so Woody gets more and more sad, and frustrated, anxious, depressed, and hopeless. As we uh, begin um, just the last week of a series where we're looking at questions that Jesus asked, uh, I, I, ju- I just have a question: um, Have you have you been there? Do you know what that feels like to lose something that feels like it's just core to your identity? And when you lose it, you just feel loss and grief, sadness, hopelessness, and you're not sure how to move forward. Uh, She landed a job in Grand Rapids, Michigan, graduated college, first job. She walks into the office. The only other person in her office is 20 years older than she is, and she sits in a cubicle day after day. Uh, First few weeks go by, pretty quickly, and then time slows down to a crawl. It feels like just a a few months ago, she couldn't get away from her friends, and now she just wants one friend. And as the loneliness consumes her, she just throws her hands up in the air and just says, what, what do I do, what now? Uh, He bought the ring, he asked the girl, she said yes. They booked the venues, they invited the guests, and now he finds out that uh, she's actually more interested in someone else. So the guests have been notified, the venues have been canceled, and now he sits at the dining room table in the apartment that they were supposed to share together, spinning a diamond ring around on the table. And he just wonders, "What what do I do? What now? Uh, the retirement party was epic, but, but that, was, uh, that was six weeks ago. Now there are no more morning alarm clocks. There are no more budget meetings, no more employees, no more coworkers. And as she realizes how tightly wound her identity was around her career, she's beginning to think that maybe there's just no more purpose either. And she just begins to wonder, what what do i do what now Uh, if these are feelings that you have felt before as feelings of sadness and frustration anxiety maybe even fear or depression or hopelessness then welcome welcome to the road to emmaus Uh, this is where our story begins today, the road to Emmaus. Uh, this is a city of Jerusalem, and a circle represents a seven-mile radius around the city of Jerusalem. And uh, th- there was a city somewhere on this circle called Emmaus, and where is it uh, on this circle? Uh, we don't know. It's, it's been lost to history, but we know it was about seven miles from Jerusalem, and uh, there was a road in which you could walk uh, to get there. So uh, to set the, the scene for today's story, there are two guys, and uh, they're walking on this road. They're headed to Emmaus. They, originally, they traveled to Jerusalem for a festival, a yearly festival called the Passover. And that's finished now, and they are walking back home. And we get a, a glimpse into how they're feeling, uh, what they're thinking as they're, they're walking along, and they're talking. And they're just kind of processing their experience. Uh, my Bible says that they were downcast and that they were sad. Another translation of the Bible says that they were gloomy. Uh, another one says that they were brokenhearted. These guys are walking along, headed back home, and they're grieving, they're hurting, talking with each other, and they're, and they're struggling. And one of them, uh, as they're walking, looks over his shoulder and sees another traveler. A little ways back, he's beginning to catch up to them. Uh, probably another person who also traveled to Jerusalem and is now walking back with them. And the guy begins to catch up to them. Uh, I'll just uh, pause right there just for a second. Uh, if you were here, if you joined us on week five of this series, uh, Pastor Jeff was teaching and he used a phrase. Uh, it, was, it was this phrase right here. It was the, post-resurrection appearance, post-resurrection appearance. This is Jesus. He was crucified. Three days later, he defeats death. He rises from the dead. He is resurrected. And then, uh, which is, that's what we celebrate on Easter, that Jesus defeated death itself. Uh, But then we get these little snippets of story where he uh, shows up and he has conversations with the disciples. Uh, Pastor Jeff shared a story Uh, About Jesus appearing to Peter and having breakfast with him on the beach, and uh, so this is uh, this story that we're talking about today. This is also a post-resurrection story, a post-resurrection appearance, because the traveler who catches up to these two guys as they're walking, it's Jesus. Jesus catches up to these guys. He hears their conversation. He hears their grief. He hears their hurt. And then he joins into their conversation and he joins in with a question. And it's a question that I think is uh, pretty simple. And yet I think it's a question that can be profoundly powerful. Uh, In fact, as we work through uh, our story today, we'll begin with a question that Jesus asks these two guys. And then we'll follow the story as Jesus asks two additional questions. So we'll work through three questions in our time together today. But the first question that Jesus asks these two guys, it's really simple. It's just this. What's up? Well, what's up? Well, what are you guys talking about? What are you discussing? I see that you're pretty intense, heated conversation here. Seems like, seems like life is pretty hard. What are you, what are you talking about? What's up? Uh, here's how he phrases it. Uh, Jesus asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They just stop in their tracks and they stood still, their faces downcast. Uh, Luke puts an interesting note here and he says, uh, he says this, he says, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him, or kept from recognizing him. They didn't, they didn't know that this guy who was walking with them was actually Jesus. What, is, what does that mean? What is that about? Uh, some scholars think that uh, Jesus puts on some glasses and a mustache, and he talks in a real deep voice, so they, like, they don't recognize that it's him. Uh, other scholars think that these guys were so upset. They were so brokenhearted. They were so just grieving that they, they, they knew it couldn't be Jesus. They, it looked like Jesus. It sounded like Jesus. He was saying things like Jesus, but it couldn't possibly be him because they watched him die on a cross. So this can't be Jesus. But most scholars, most scholars agree that uh, Jesus somehow, in his post-resurrection body, he somehow just has the ability to conceal his identity from these two guys. Uh, we don't know how, but somehow he has the ability to conceal his identity. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I was dating my wife and uh, she got a summer job working at a grocery store. And this grocery store had a strict policy that said, uh, no one who was a friend or a family member could go through your checkout lane at the grocery store. And so I really, I wanted to go see her at work, but I uh, also didn't want to get her in trouble. So I came up with an awesome plan. I would wear a disguise. <laughs> and so I uh, went to Goodwill, I bought an old suit jacket and some pants. Uh, I convinced my little sister, to help me put some makeup on. Uh, she like slicked my hair back and put a hat on so it made it look like I was bald. Uh, she dug through an old, uh, <laughs> she dug through an old um, Halloween bin and she found an old wig and she cut it up and she put it on my face so uh, it looked like I had a big beard. Um, and yes, uh, when I was in college, I dressed up to look like an old man by making myself bald with a beard. Um, <laughs> I get it, the, the irony is not lost on me here. <laughs> so I put this disguise on, I go to the store and uh, I'm gonna buy uh, some flowers and a card. I'm just gonna put it on her car out in the parking lot. And so I get what I need, I go into her checkout lane and uh, I walk right up to her, I look her in the eyes and it works, she totally doesn't recognize that it's me. It's not even until I'm like walking out the door so that she starts to put the pieces together. Uh, but isn't that how life works sometimes? Uh, when we're grieving, when we're hurting, we're surrounded by people who love us and who care about us, who love us deeply. But yet we, we, just, we just don't have the eyes to see it. We're grieving, we're hurting. It's like the thing that we need the most is the thing that just feels invisible to us. What if uh, the person that you're sitting next to is a person that Jesus longs to use to meet you in your grief and bring you comfort? What if a friend or a coworker, neighbor, is someone that Jesus longs to use to speak healing into your hurts? Uh, Jesus shows up to these guys, and they don't get it. They don't recognize him. They don't see him. I studied uh, just a handful of different scholars and they all had different ideas about this passage and and what it means. And uh, all of them across the board, they all agreed that this passage here reveals to us something significant about the character of our God, the very heartbeat of our God. And that's this, uh, this road that these guys are walking on, a road of grief and sorrow, heartache, brokenness, uh, that's a road that, that we're going to walk on, too. And maybe it's a road that you've walked on before. Maybe it's a road that you are on right now. And if not, it's a road that all of us will eventually walk on. And the character of God, the very heartbeat of God, is that Jesus never, never longs for us to walk that road alone. He will always meet us in our grief. He'll always meet us in our sorrow, meet us in our brokenness, even if we don't recognize that it's him. Uh, my job at my house is to uh, take my kids to school in the morning. And if your house is anything like my house, it gets pretty hectic sometimes. As we're getting ready for school, there are crumbs all over the counter. Uh, kids' backpacks are everywhere. We're packing lunch boxes, We're signing homework papers. Uh, someone inevitably left a uh, yogurt in their backpack over the weekend and it exploded. And we're cleaning up everything. Finally, we pile into the car and we pull up to the curb at school, and every single day, no matter what, every single day, as we open up the car door and my kids pile out of the car, I speak the same words over them every day. Here's what I say. I say, I love you, and no matter what you face today, you never have to face it alone. No matter what you face today, you never have to face it alone. Why do I say that to my kids? every single day, I think because as people, I think that's something that we need to hear over and over and over and over again, because I think we have the tendency to believe the lies that just whisper into our hearts and into our minds that say, hey, that thing that you're dealing with, that grief that you're experiencing, you have to do that all by yourself. That sorrow that you're walking through right now, you have to do that all alone. That, that thing that you're experiencing, you can't pour that out on somebody else because you're gonna be a burden to them. You're gonna be a hassle to them. You can't do that to them. And listen, this is a lie. Jesus never longs for us to, to walk a road of sorrow and grief all by ourselves. He will meet us on that road. Even if we don't recognize that it's him. See, these two guys are walking along. They're, they're talking. And uh, Jesus meets them and asks them what's up. And they answer. Uh, they pour out their hearts to him. They share their grief. They share their heartache. They share their brokenness and their hurts. Ironically, they, they're upset because Jesus died on a cross. They believed that he was the Savior, the Messiah, the one who would rescue Israel, and they watched him die. And I think when, I think when he took his last breath on the cross, I think something died inside each of them as well. And so they, they share their brokenness. They share their grief, and Jesus listens. He hears what they have to say, and then he responds with one of the most amazing passages in all of our Bible. In fact, uh, if I had a time machine and I could go back to any one story in the Bible, I, I don't think it would be when, when Moses parts the Red Sea. I, I don't think it would be when uh, like Noah finally finishes the ark. I think, I think it would be this moment right here. Uh, here's how Jesus responds to these guys. He says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said In the scriptures concerning himself Uh, the old testament back in the day wasn't called the old testament it was called the books of moses and all the prophets Uh, so jesus he's he's taking them through the bible and he's showing them uh, hey here in genesis uh, let me tell you this is all about the cross and this is why the cross had to happen this is why the cross was significant Uh, Let me show you here in Exodus, this is all about the cross and why the cross was important and significant and why it had to happen. Uh, Here in Leviticus, this is about the cross. Over and over, page by page by page, Jesus walks them through the Old Testament showing how everything, everything culminates in the cross that had to happen. Uh, By the way, if this is interesting to you, uh, there's a resource that I love, it's super, it's just really easy to understand, it's down to earth, it's, it's this right here, it's called the Bible Project, thebibleproject.com, uh, if you're interested in just learning a little bit more about how the entire Bible points to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. This is a great place to start. Uh, they do some really uh, awesome things. They make these animated videos where they take this rich, like deep theological theme and they boil it down to like a six or seven minute animated video that's just really, really easy to understand. Uh, they also do like a podcast. If you're a podcaster, or you're interested in that, you can check that out. And if you wanna take a deep dive, they even offer some like free, like high-level seminary uh, classes that you could, you could check out as well. Uh, so these guys, are, they're walking along. They're listening to Jesus talk about how everything in the Old Testament is pointed to the cross. And they're amazed. It says their hearts burned inside of them. It's like a, when Jesus died on the cross, their faith turned into this cold pile of ashes. And now... Now it has sparked back into a blazing fire again. And so they're walking, Jesus is explaining uh, all of this to them and they get home. Uh, They're to Emmaus, the city of Emmaus and they stop at their house and and Jesus acts like he's gonna keep keep going on and these guys aren't gonna have that. They're like, no way, Uh, we are eager to hear more, you need to stay with us, you need to tell us, you need to teach us some more. And so uh, Jesus agrees He comes in their house, they prepare a meal together. And uh, Jesus does the classic Jesus thing where he takes some bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and then they eat together. And as he does, it's like their eyes are opened and all of a sudden they can recognize who he is. And they're amazed. Like this guy who was walking with us, who was teaching with us, who is now sitting down at our table eating with us, it's Jesus. And it's been Jesus the whole time. They are amazed. And as soon as they recognize who he is, poof, he, he's gone. Like he, he disappears from their sight. Here's, here's what it says. It says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. These guys, they have a story to tell now. They have seen Jesus. He did defeat death. He has been resurrected from the dead. And so they leave their home and they race back to Jerusalem because they have to find the the 11 remaining disciples and they have to tell them what they have just seen and what they have just experienced. I, I think on the way home to Emmaus, I think they're probably just walking pretty slow, kind of just moseying along, making their way there. Not anymore. Now they are running back to Jerusalem. They have to find these guys and they have to share the story that they just heard. Uh, here's, Here's what it says. It says, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now, uh, here they are. They're in the house. They're beginning to share their story. Uh, John's gospel gives us a little more detail about what this scene looks like. It says that the doors are locked, uh, like shutters are drawn. These guys are laying low. I I think they're a little afraid. I think they might be terrified. They watched Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They listened to his teaching for like three years. And then, and then Jesus was killed. He was crucified for what he taught. I think these guys are thinking, maybe we're next. Maybe they're going to come after us. And so the doors are locked. They're laying low. And these guys begin to share. We saw him. We ate with him. We talked with him. He taught us. And as soon as they begin to tell their story poof. Like, Jesus, he he just appears to them again. Now, if you're thinking, okay, uh, this is, I don't know, I'm not buying this. Like, this is a little hard to believe. Well, you're not alone. That's exactly what the disciples felt. Here's what it says. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. This isn't how real life works. People just don't appear and disappear. This is not reality. What is going on here? And it's into this confusion and skepticism and doubt that Jesus asks the second question that we're going to look at today. Here's what it is. He says, what (laughs) gifts? What what gives? Why, Why are you troubled? Why are you doubting? What What gives? Here's how he says it. Uh, Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It's it's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Uh, Again, John's gospel gives us a little more detail about what's happening here. Uh, The disciples, as they're looking at Jesus, they're wondering, is this guy real? Is he a ghost? And one of the disciples, Thomas, he's having a really hard time believing that Jesus actually defeated, the, defeated death and that he's sitting there, standing there right there with him. And so uh, this is actually, it's where we get the famous painting by Caravaggio, painted in 1602. It shows uh, the disciples and probably Thomas just looking at the wounds in his side and the scars on his hand and the scars on his feet. And when I look at a picture like this or I read through that text, I I just have a question. Uh, What's that about? I mean, okay, so Jesus, he comes back from the dead. He can do things like appear and disappear. Uh, He can conceal his identity from other people. If I could do that, I would come back with like ripped abs and like perfectly glowing skin, really white teeth. Like he doesn't do that. He comes back with a wound in his side and scars in his hands and scars in his feet. Why does he, why does he do that? Uh, if you were to take a second and just look at your hands or your arms, you could probably find maybe a scar or two. And you could probably point to it and say a story about how that scar happened. Because every scar tells a story, doesn't it? Uh, took a a trip to Mexico with my family. And uh, we worked at a community center. We volunteered at a community center for a week. And our job there was to help prepare uh, a soccer field for a soccer camp that we were gonna run. And uh, so the first day we're there, we're working on the field and um, we're raking sand into a turf soccer field. And so we have all of this sand and we're raking it in. And my eight-year-old son, uh, he has a rake and he's pushing it back and forth and he's raking sand in, and it's an old metal rake. And as he's, as he's doing it, the rake breaks in half. And uh, it didn't stop him. Like he kept, he kept working. Half a rake is more like his size anyway. And so he's taking the other half of the rake and he's working in the sand. And uh, what he didn't realize was that the rake where it broke was sharp and jagged. And so he's raking and he pulls it back and he catches himself right in the leg. And it's pretty quick that we realize uh, this isn't like a wash it out and put a Band-Aid on it kind of cut. This is like, a, let's find an ER and uh, get a tetanus shot and a couple stitches. And so we did, uh, we found uh, an emergency room and we take him there, he gets a tetanus shot. He ended up getting 11 stitches uh, in his leg. And uh, he's a trooper, like he did great. He did fantastic. In fact, here's a picture of him just in the ER uh, at the, the getting stitches. Uh, he, he, did, he did great, he did wonderful. And the rest of the week, he, just, he worked hard, he played soccer, he had fun. But, but there was one thing that put a damper on the trip for him. Uh, we were in Mexico in July, which is pretty much like taking a trip to the surface of the sun. <laughs> it is so hot. We're outside. We're playing soccer. We're working hard. At uh, end of the day, we come back to the house we were staying. We eat dinner. We debrief our day. And then, then we jump in the cool, refreshing water of the swimming pool. Uh, but Eli... He had brand new stitches, and so he couldn't get in the water. He, he was stuck sitting on the side of the pool, watching as the rest of us splashed around. Uh, do you have a wound or a scar from your past? And it keeps you on the sidelines? It keeps you from chasing after and pursuing the dreams that God has for your life? Uh, maybe a regret or a failure from your past, Uh, maybe a mistake, maybe something that you just say, if I didn't have that thing, if I didn't do that thing, if that thing didn't happen to me, if I didn't have that habit, I could chase after the dreams that God has for my life, but now I'm stuck sitting on the sidelines. Uh, Do you live day to day looking down at at a scar or a wound that whispers lies, that you aren't good enough, that you'll never be any better, you'll never be any different, you'll never be pretty enough or smart enough or brave enough or strong enough. You are broken and you are messed up. Jesus came back with scars in his hand, a wound in his side. I think he did that so that he could prove to Thomas that he really was who he said he was, but I don't think that's the only reason. I think he came back with scars to give us hope. Because if his scars weren't the end of his story, then your scars aren't the end of your story either. Jesus shows Thomas the the scars in his hands. Jesus himself, he defeated death. And if he is big enough to defeat death, then he is bigger than your past. He can redeem your regrets. He is bigger than your failures. Uh, scars that Thomas looks at, I just I love this passage because uh, it, it, he lets Thomas check him out. L- lets Thomas look at the wound in his side. And he doesn't pressure Thomas, He doesn't make Thomas think anything or or believe anything. He just kind of lets Thomas feel it out and and see what the the evidence is. And maybe that's how you walked in today. You've kind of seen some of the evidence for Christianity. You've seen some of the evidence for faith, but you have yet to make a decision about who you believe the person of Jesus to be. Uh, You can almost hear Jesus just showing him. Uh, Look at the scars. Look at, It's me. Uh, this is who I am. I am not a hologram. I'm not a ghost. I am not an illusion. I was dead, and now I am alive. And as he looks at the scars, it's not like Thomas just looks at the scars and walks away. Uh, Thomas makes a decision about what he sees, makes a decision about the person of Jesus. Uh, He looks at the scars in his hands, the wound in his side, and here's how Thomas responds. Uh, Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And then from that moment on, Thomas makes a decision about the person of Jesus. He says, uh, it refers to him as my Lord and my God. You are my Lord and my God. Uh, It's our hope that you would be prepared to make a decision about who you believe. The person of Jesus to be. And if you feel stuck here, uh, maybe a great prayer would just be to pray God, show me, show me who you are. And if you have questions, pull your your campus pastor aside. They would love to talk with you about the person of Jesus. Uh, Or if you're joining us online, there's a a place you can go, adabible.info. There's a little tab there that says contact us. We would love to walk alongside you and have a conversation about the person of Jesus. Uh, So Thomas looks at the scars, and and every every scar tells a story. So, what's the story here that the scars that Jesus has? What, what story does that tell? Well, I'm glad you asked because that is where we get uh, the last question for today. Uh, Jesus begins by asking, What's up? as he just reminds us that no matter how long our road of grief or sorrow or heartache is, he will meet us on that road. And then he asks, What gives as he just speaks hope? into our doubts or skepticism. And then he asks, who's in? Who's in? Uh, Here's what he says. He told them, uh, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You're witnesses of these things. Well, what do the scars in Jesus' hand and the wounds, what's the story that they tell? It's a story of hope and healing. It's a story of forgiveness and redemption. It's a story of grace. And it's a story that you and I have been invited to share with those around us. Uh, Jesus says, you are my witnesses. Uh, for those of us who believe in Jesus, uh, we have the, the we've made a decision about who we believe he is, and we have the privilege of sharing that hope with the world around us. He has invited us into that story. Uh, because there's somebody in your world who needs to know, uh, who needs to know that they are deeply loved by God, that they're cherished. By God, that he cares for them. Uh, when they look at their past, and they see their failures and their regrets, they need to know that there is a God who loves them deeply, who defeated death, and their, his grace is bigger than their failures, bigger than their past. Uh, well, that, uh, that brings us back to here. Toy Story 2. Uh, Woody has lost his hat, He can't find it anywhere. Uh, He's frustrated, he's anxious, he's sad, he's hopeless. And it's at this moment that one of his friends pulls him aside and says, "Uh, Woody, um, look under your boot. It's Bo Peep, his friend. And Woody's like, "Uh, it's not under my boot. I would know if I was standing on my hat. It's not under my boot. And she says, no, 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 no. Just do it. Just look under your boot. And so reluctantly, he lifts up his boot, and this is the image that we see. It's the word Andy. Uh, Bo Peep, his friend is reminding him about who loves him and who cherishes him. No matter how crazy or hectic life gets, he will always be deeply loved. He will always be cherished. And today, as we're reminded that Jesus meets us in our grief, and in our sorrow, I hope you are reminded that he has written his name on your heart, that he sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And in the moments where you feel confused or you're doubting, that he breathes hope into your doubts, hope into your confusion, that your scars are not the end of your story. And that we have the privilege of being invited into a story of grace and forgiveness that we can share with those around us. That other people need to know that they have been called from death into life, from darkness into light, from despair into hope. Well, as we have traveled for the last 10 weeks uh, through questions that Jesus asked, it's my hope that you were encouraged uh you were challenged, maybe even stretched. My hope is that you learned a little bit more about the very heartbeat and character of a God who loves you deeply through the questions that he asked. Well, would you uh, stand with me here and on our campuses, and I will pray for us as we finish today. Uh, uh, God, we, uh, we just pray um, that in this moment right now, we would remember who you are, and who we are, that we are loved deeply, that we are cherished by you. And for those of us that are walking down a road right now, that's a road of grief and sorrow and emptiness, God, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would speak into our lives, that we would be reminded of your goodness in a thousand different ways. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, thanks so much for uh, being here. We'll see you next week.